Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path actual play of the Tales from Dark Moon Vale. We're going to be starting Woo-hoo. with Hollow's Last Hope. Dun, 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 dun. Not actually the last hope, you know, because we found out what happened in Star Wars. There is But this is in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so Dang. the first thing you may have noticed is uh, I'm not Rick. So hi. Hey. He's still here. Hello, who are you? Yeah, I'm Ross. Um, We've never met you in our life. <laughs> I'm some guy who <laughs> snuck into the studio one day and they haven't been able to get me to leave. So <laughs> yeah, he's squatting in our studio and picked the crown up from Rick. So he's in charge now. <laughs> yeah, it turns out he can GM. Who knew? I didn't know either until I started doing it. No, but welcome, everybody. Um, we're here with a fun, exciting adventure for everyone. Um, I'm Ross Scoggin. I'm going to be your host and game master for this series. Welcome. There's one other twist as well, though. Now, a lot of you may already be familiar with Hollow's Last Hope, as it is a game module released over 10 years ago, as the time of this recording. And uh, there's been some slight alterations made to it. Yes, that's right. This is Find the Path's first foray into the second edition Pathfinder rules. Hello, second edition. It might be coming, and here it is. We warned you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you can of course also hear Rick is here. Hi, Rick. Hello. I am Rick Sandage. I am the usual hosting game master for the Find the Path podcast. But today he's just a lowly player. At the mercy of someone else. (laughs) Staring mournfully over at Ross sitting upon my throne. Uh, yes, it's going to take some time to adjust the cushion. We'll get there in the end. That's fair. You definitely need a cushion. The black basalt is a little uncomfortable. Oh, it's all those skull bones digging into your butt. Well, it could be the. Uh, it, it could be worse. It could be the throne of swords. Uh, crap! I for- the Iron Throne. That's what the they game call it. The Iron Throne. Could be worse, but. I suppose it's time for us to go on and get started if everybody's ready. I was more ready. All right. Well, I suppose let's go ahead and begin. Our adventure picks up on the 10th of Serenith, 4707 by Absalom Reckoning. We are going to go to that evening in the country of Andorin, the birthplace of democracy on Galarian, at least as far as anyone knows. And we're going to focus on a smaller part of Andorin, an area known as the Dark Moon Vale. It's a pleasant sounding place. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> it sounds cute. If it's yeah. anything like Night Vale, I'm out. Um, <laughs> if it's anything like Night Vale, I'm so in. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I mean, there is a scientist named Carl. Uh, <laughs> Ross is a librarian. <laughs> it's true. Oh, no. Do not try to climb trees to escape the librarian. There are no trees in the library. It's You know, it's very true. We haven't installed any yet. Um, I keep telling him, though. No. Um, but Dark Moon Vale itself is an area rife with trees. Most commonly, it's known for its exports of wood. Most importantly, dark wood, which is a relatively rare plant largely grown in this area. And I suppose on this 10th of Serenith, this Sunday, we will start late in the evening, say maybe an hour or so after nightfall. We will start our adventure in a small shop known as Roots and Remedies. 
It is within this shop that lie a wide variety of alchemical equipment and goods, everything uh, that one would need to make any number of poultices, potions, and, well, I suppose less savory items as well, if one had a mind for it. The smell, of course, is a pungent mixture of a variety of herbs, spices, flowers, and any number of chemicals. And currently, hunched over a dark book, are two figures. One is an older woman, wearing a pair of half-moon spectacles with black hair that's beginning to gray a little bit across the top. But for the most part, a woman in maybe her mid-30s, late-30s. She is accompanied by a single other figure, who... Jessica, I don't know, would you like to go ahead and describe your character? Sure. The other figure is much younger, a teenager by the looks of her. She stands at an average height and is pretty muscular if she is slight. Uh, Her skin is lightly tanned and her face has a dusting of freckles that go across her cheeks and nose. And she has wide blue eyes, a straight nose and full lips. Her chestnut brown hair is cut into a chin length bob, but there are two pieces in the front that have left been left long to frame her face. Um, She wears sturdy leather boots and a belt with various pouches, presumably carrying various herbs and and the like. And she wears uh, armor made of local animal hide and a blue woolen tunic with trousers. Uh, Around her neck, she has a cheap wooden holy symbol of Ayamade that looks like it's seen the worst for wear. I see. The woman glances over at you. You've known Laurel pretty much for most of your life. After all, she's the town's primary herbalist, and you don't necessarily want to say healer, but maybe doctor is the better term for it. Mm. Of course, there are priests in the town, though not as many as one might like. And for most folks, being able to stop by Roots and Remedy is, is a lot easier than being able to pay a donation to the temple for services rendered. Mm. Laurel looks at you, looking down over her half-moon spectacles. Clove, I think... I may have found something. Uh, what? What? What do you mean? For the um, for the black scour. Oh. Uh, I, I have maybe an idea. Uh, what? What? What is it? How? How do we do it? That's just it. Um, I have a number of the ingredients here already, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to. Look, it's just that there's a lot of stuff that's in the veil. It's it's dangerous to go out there, but I'm kind of at my wits' end. Uh, I'll go. No. I can go. I, I have a machete. Um, I'll be fine. I can go. It's very dangerous out there, especially for somebody to go on their own. <sighs> I know, but people are dying. They are. Yeah. Look, she puts the book down. This formula is untested. I've never made it before, but I think it's the only thing that can help. It's supposed to be a strong antifungal agent. Here. Mm. She then sets aside and pulls out a sheaf of paper. You shouldn't go on your own, child, and you definitely shouldn't leave tonight. It's far too late. Um, okay. Uh, Clove kind of looks over, trying to see the recipe, so that she can, like, make a mental note and maybe go tonight anyway. (laughs) Um, Laurel looks over at you. I'll tell you the ingredients if you agree to do me a favor. Sure, okay. What do you need? I'm going to start writing out some requests for assistance from the townsfolk. Okay. We'll see if we can find some companions to go with you. So if you could deliver them tonight, we'll see if we can get whoever we can in the morning and go from there. Deal? Uh, uh, sure. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll take anything that she gives me. Um, it takes about an hour or so for her to write out 
the requisite number of, I suppose, leaflet. To be honest, um, there are a decent number of homes in the town, though she's not really expecting much of a turnout. At the very least, the folks at the Lumber Consortium don't seem to be super concerned. Boo. But she gives them to you and sets you about your task as... I assume Clove delivers as many as possible. Yep, and Clove runs averagely. So she, <laughs> but she has youth, so she runs fast. True. The town of Falcon's Hollow is not a particularly large location. At the very least, as far as um, most lumber towns go, it's got a decent number of folks, but it tends to be fairly centralized. Most of them live in a lumber camp not too far from the forest itself while the rest of the people are scattered a little further out from there. But for the most part, it doesn't take you too long to deliver a number of these flyers to everyone's doors. You do note that there are a few outlying settlements, which may take a little bit longer to deliver to. But beyond that, your task mostly takes you only a couple of hours to quickly go through. Just take a few tacks, tap up a flyer at each door, and there you go. Do I also put one at an inn? Is there an inn? There is. There's, in fact, a couple... But the one that you probably are most interested in is the Sitting Duck. Um, it is an inn that caters. Yeah. <laughs> the Sitting Duck is an inn that primarily caters to travelers, adventurers, and anybody who is looking to purchase supplies from the Lumber Consortium. You understand that the Sitting Duck is the most likely place to have anybody who actually has some level of skill. There is another inn as well. But that one caters more to vagabonds and people down on their luck who can't afford to join the consortium and therefore can't afford the free lodging the consortium provides to all of its lumber workers. Mm. I guess before Clove goes into the, the adventurer sitting duck and she would take a deep breath and like steady herself because there are super intimidating like adventurer people in there. And then she would slip in as quietly and sneakily and please don't notice me. Oh God, don't notice me as she possibly can <laughs> <laughs> to nail up the flyer and then try to run away and leave immediately. Strangely enough, at this time of night, there's usually at least a few folks in the inn. There don't seem to be very many at the moment, though it's not necessarily surprising as... You are in the middle of summer and there aren't necessarily a lot of travelers coming through the area until usually the fall when they're usually coming by looking to buy supplies to do some construction in the winter since you can't really grow crops after winter time in, you okay. know, real life. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. True. Well, I guess she wouldn't be quite as concerned when she got in and saw that there were less people than, than there might have been. True. The innkeeper, though, a uh, portly gentleman by the name of Jason, you don't know his last name, you never really talked to him much, notices you entering. Ah, Clove, how are you today? Uh, um, good. Can I hang a flyer, please? Of course. What is it about? Okay. Uh, we need adventurers to go into Darkmoon Vale and find some herbs. If you know any adventurers that want to go into Darkmoon Vale and find some herbs, send them over to Roots and Remedies tomorrow morning. All right. Mm. Got a couple of travelers in town. I'll ask them around. I'll ask around. See what I can find out. Uh, th th thanks. Thank you. Sure thing. Uh, I guess you'll go nail it wherever it is that flyers a, are nailed in here. There is a small notice board. Mostly it's actually concerning stuff for the Lumber Consortium. It's mostly just recruitment posters for the Lumber Consortium, honestly. Okay. She'll put it over them. 
Did you buy a nail and a hammer? <laughs> I'm assuming she gave me the supplies to do this. Yeah, yeah more one copper piece of piece. Oh my gosh, do <laughs> really not. And diamond in second do edition, man. Not. I have you a machete. have like a pin. And How many I extra can daggers do you it. have? Yeah. How many extra There's daggers one. do you have? You can just stab them into the wall everywhere you go. <laughs> I mean, that would look like really it's a cool. threatening note. I'm That's assuming... letting get the adventurer's attention right there. There's a dagger in that. I'm assuming Laurel gave me the supplies to hang things up. But... Nothing but a bunch of cat butt magnets. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I have those work. <laughs> yeah. Fancy. Yeah. No, from there, you're able to deliver the rest of the flyers. And from there, I suppose, let's go on ahead and uh, pick up the next morning, shall we? So it takes you some time to deliver these, but um, you get home and are able to rest up at the very least before the next morning. Let's go on ahead and shift our focus a little bit. Outside the town of Falcon's Hollow lies what seems to be just a simple apple orchard. A number of trees are growing rather well. Obviously, the crops aren't ready for harvest quite yet, but it looks like it's going to be a good harvest this year. The sun shines as, I suppose, an older gentleman approaches a building. Rick, would you like to go on ahead and describe your character? I'd be more than happy to. Volgrim is an old, literally venerable (laughs) dwarf. About average height, standing just a little bit over four feet, maybe by an inch or two. Barrel-chested like most dwarves, broad-shouldered, a build impressive for a man his age. Someone who has obviously never stopped working with his hands and working outdoors. Volgrim has hazel eyes which shine out from underneath a thick brow, accentuated by a rather prominent nose. He's used a razor to shave off what nature already hasn't deprived him as far as his hair on top of his head. However, his beard is thick, snowy mane, braided on either side with two long braids held in place by what seem to be hammer beads. Beyond that, he wears a simple gray outfit. Really, the only thing adorning him is a necklace of fine, unadorned chain with nine rings, eight of which contain stones marked with runic markings, one of which is empty. And then hanging from the bottom of this is a simple stone-carved hammer. Very well. You approach your front door, having already taken the time to take a look over the orchard, take care of your morning chores. It's tough, but honest work, and probably something that you admire doing quite a bit. Yep. The door opens with no creak as you maintain the house with a... I'd say almost militant level of perfection, making sure everything's stable and there are no foundation problems at this house. (laughs) True. My stone cunning tells me. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Best use of stone cunning ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I inspect foundations for houses when people decide to buy in the local area. And then I tell them not to buy in the local area. (laughs) Apple, Apple orchard owner and realtor. Yeah. Uh, hey. Dwarven Realtor. That's on my list of future characters. Ooh, that'd be fun. <laughs> a Realtor of Abadar. Anyway. Um, oh, God. That would be terrible. <laughs> there's the, the truth. The market would never be in your favor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you walk into the house, which unfortunately the energy inside has not been quite as joyous as you're used to. Your daughter, daughter daughter-in-law, 
it's really difficult to to put an exact word on it. Hildy looks up at you from from the center dining table. You can tell she's still been crying. It makes perfect sense, though, considering she looks over at you. There's been a notice. She looks down at a sheet of paper that seems to have some hasted scrawl on it in common. Where's our wood axe? It's in the shed on back. I'm going to go get it. I'll be back. Orgrim watches her go, curiously, makes his way over to the table, picks up the note, one heavily calloused hand. Do I unfold it with surprising dexterity? Hold on. <laughs> I, I unfold it with slightly more than average dexterity. Hey. <laughs> it's probably better than what I've got at the very least. I would have dropped uh, it by right. now. <laughs> Fold a piece of paper. How does this work? <laughs> but uh, taking a look at the note, opening it adroitly, the note uh-huh. is written in a hasty scroll. Probably by a human. You note that humans don't usually take their time to make sure that everything's dotted and crossed correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Short-lived races. Looking across it, though, it seems to be a notice of of a potential cure for Black Scour. You're aware of Black Scour. You're, in fact, grimly aware of Black Scour. No pun intended. (laughs) See see what I did there? Mm. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But the note itself uh, talks about a cure for Black Scour which is a degenerative fungal disease that has, I wouldn't say necessarily taken over the town, but has caused a severe amount of pain and suffering to the town of Falcon's Hollow as of late. Falcon's Hollow typically has one central well. Unfortunately, it was this well that the Black Scour taint was discovered at. It is a fungal rot that basically rots your insides out. Mm. It's bad. It's especially bad since Ashra hasn't been doing so well since her last trip in from the city. Mm. Taking a look at the notice, it says that it needs a number of adventurers or other brave folk to go to Darkmoon Vale, find the ingredients, and return them as soon as possible. Interested parties are to meet at Roots and Remedies today by, it looks like 10 o'clock in the morning, effectively. Volgram Strokes his beard, lays the paper down, turns his head, looks from the the dining room into the hall, makes his way to the, uh, imagine partially open door to Asher's room, Mm -hmm. pushes that open quietly, kind of stands and stares towards the, towards the bed. You see lying on the bed, your granddaughter, her blonde hair ringleted and falling down, though very, very much covered in sweat as she gives a sort of weak a sort of weak wet cough <laughs> grandfather Shh. it's alright girl he makes his way over kneels by the bedside puts one heavily calloused hand on top of hers are the remedies helping um I feel a little better she says <coughs> he places his other hand on his holy symbol on the stone hammer Father of creation, breathe your fire into our heart. Burn away the sickness. His finger then traces over to another stone. Fulgrit, watchful mother, mind this child. I'm going to be going into town, Asher. Okay. Um, if, uh, if you see Ben, could you tell him hi? Of course. You stay here with your mother. Rest. 
The apples will be ready soon. We'll have pie before you know it. Oh, I love pie. <laughs> I know. I need you to be strong for me right now. I told you of Trud, the mighty. Yeah, yeah. Strong and mighty like Trud. I'll be just like Trud. You'll see. He smiles, uses one hand to hold his beard in place as he leans down and kisses her on the forehead. Stands up to his feet, makes his way back out, looks through the door to see if Hildy's returned. In fact, you see Hildy standing back over by the kitchen table. She stands clutching the wood axe, definitely more of a tool than an actual weapon as she looks over at you. I intend to go, she says. If that is your choice, I would respect it. But someone needs to stay here. I mean, who else is going to go? She looks over and then looks down at the axe. If only I ever used this for chopping wood. I will go. What? Are you sure? You loved my son, didn't you? Yes, of course. Regan was a mighty warrior. He smiles. And where do you think he learned it? She looks over toward the direction of Ashra's room. I'll be honest, I'm not entirely sure I'd be able to make this journey. Maybe it's maybe it's best if you go. He makes his way forward, takes the axe from her hand, sets it on the table. Right now, she needs her mother. There is strength in you. But let me carry this burden. She nods. All right. But you better come back, you hear? <laughs> he looks kind of sadly towards her, thinking about the last time someone promised her that they'd come back. I can't promise that, but I promise I will do everything that I can. All right. She turns and starts walking toward Ashra's room. Volgrim makes his way back into his bedroom, drags an old wooden chest out from under the bed, opens it, takes out the armor, lays it out, puts it all on over his simple jerkin, takes out a, uh, a well-oiled leather-wrapped hammer, tosses the wrapping back in, and hefts the hammer of his forefathers, takes his shield, tosses it onto his back, and then makes his way back out. He doesn't stop to check in on them, knowing it'd be better if, if he was just gone. Very well. You leave them then to, well, for uh, Hildy to tend to Asher as best she can as you make your way out into the clear, the clear summer morning. Nary a cloud in the sky. It's hard to know if that's a good omen or a bad one. He smiles and softly whistles as he makes his way down the road to uh, Falcon's Hollow because he... I could not afford a donkey or anything, so I'm walking all right. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> for the legs. That, that orchard must be a real pain to do all by hand. <laughs> Gotta keep cardio up. At his yeah, age, he has to stay active. That's how you maintain a 16 constitution at 200-something years old. <laughs> his last donkey died like a couple decades ago. <laughs> never replaced it. I've been meaning like to. Roach. Your backstory is depressing, and it may, it's making me sad. <laughs> oh, they're all depressing, honey. Um, they're all depressing. I mean, mine is too, but I'm just saying, See? dang. Yeah, yeah. From there, we go to a much different scene, this time entirely inside the city. A simple wooden home constructed, you'd guess, probably within the past few decades, sits near the town center. In this case, the home itself is relatively small as far as most homes go, though for the occupants inside, doesn't seem to pose much of a problem. Inside, 
you see a young woman, and Rachel, would you like to go in and describe your character for me, please? Estrella Rasbeth uh, is sitting having breakfast with her parents. She is a halfling, but she's muscular because she uh, spends most of her days working in the forge for the Lumber Consortium. Uh, she's kind of stuck in the job. She can't really do much about that as she's bringing in most of the money for her family. Uh, she has a uh, bronze skin and uh, a dark black hair that she pretty much has to keep braided back because if she lets it out, it tends to run a little bit wild. And when you're working in a forge, you don't want your hair catching on fire. Yeah. She has uh, hazel eyes flecked with gold. And uh, despite, uh, you know, having to hold her own with the other forge workers and uh, and all that, she actually has a, a great smile and tries to stay kind of optimistic as halfling's typically known for, but she's about to get ready for her day. Very well. As you approach the front door, having finished your second breakfast... That's right. <laughs> your father, however, calls out to you right before you were about to open it. Estrella, um, sorry, could, could you come here a minute? What's the matter? Is something wrong? I see something by the window. He points to a small piece of paper, I suppose, as you approach. Figure as Estrella will go pull it off the window and bring it to him. Well, stepping outside and going around, you bring him the folded piece of paper. It seems to have been tacked on with a nail, you guess, sometimes the night before. At least you don't remember seeing it. He unfolds it and looks at it. Hmm. I don't remember seeing that yesterday when I came home. Until I looked up from my woodland, I didn't see it myself. He hands you the piece of paper, which also mentions black scour and a, cer a search for a sort of cure. Do you know Laurel? I know of Laurel. I haven't actually gotten a chance to meet her directly, but uh, I've seen her around town. Hmm. It's not usual that she's looking for somebody to find stuff for. Well, it'd be nice if she could find a cure to this. I mean, it's, it's definitely uh, been a dark stain on this uh, community, on top hmm. of other dark stains. Stains on stains. <coughs> Lumber consortium sucks. <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Wish I could go. He looks over at his missing leg, a sight that the two of you are both, of course, used to by now, but still something that seems to pain him every time he's reminded of it. Well, you're not going anywhere in your state. Uh, yeah. You know I'm the best person to go. Oh, yeah? He keeps going to whittling. What, and what are you going to do to him? Stick him in the forge? <laughs> I'll have you know that I can handle myself very well and... I should help. She's very stubborn. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is the Milan arc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he even has like the bum leg. Yeah, to but she, she doesn't uh, want her dad to know about some of her extracurricular activities. I <laughs> see. <laughs> extracurricular, you say. Fencing clubs are extracurricular. <laughs> but he uh, glances up um, as you both hear a knock at the door. I'll get it. Thank you, dear. runs over there and pulls it open. <laughs> Pulling it open, you come face to face with one of the few figures in town you absolutely cannot stand to see. Oh, is it my uncle? Yes. Long story short. Way to run that. <laughs> I only wrote one man in my backstory that I hate. <laughs> that was funny. I mean, I figure there's a couple other members of it's the world. It's a small town. Yeah, it is a small town, relatively. The man, of course, is dressed in fine clothing made primarily out of silks and velvets. 
He has a quartet of rings on his right hand that could probably serve as impromptu brass knuckles, except that you doubt that he's ever punched anyone in his life. A shock of dark hair lies on top of his head as he glances over you, going somewhere. Yes, you know, because some of us in this city have a job we actually do. Oh, Welcome, come in. Why don't you have some breakfast? We might have some left over. Well, I don't exactly have a lot of time to stay. I was just trying to stop by and he looks over at the letter in your hand. Oh, you got one too, eh? Yes. I assume that a lot of people did, considering they're asking for help. Hmm. Fool's errand, if I've ever seen one. They can go and get themselves killed in the veil if they want. You don't think that we should probably try to, I don't know, cure the plague? And heal all the people that are dying? That would be good, yeah, but sending a bunch of citizens out to get killed isn't my idea of helping. They're dying anyway. At least this way we could be proactive and maybe put a stop to more people dying. Ah, well, good luck with that. No skin off my back. Well, apparently somebody's got to do something since our mayor isn't going to do anything. He looks behind his shoulder. Look, I'm not going anywhere, all right? And the Lumber Consortium isn't helping. If you want to throw your own life away on a bull crusade, you go for it. I will. And if I do find a cure, you're not getting it. She storms (laughs) off. Savage. This is the Rachel we all know from our home games. (laughs) I had to find the right character for it. A box. A box on your house. Are you not his house? That's her house. Are you sure you're not (laughs) playing a barbarian? I also have to applaud Ross because I can only picture this uh, halfling as being played by Jason Isaacs whenever he's as Lucius Malfoy walks into Hagrid's hut and just looks around. It's like it's like I'd be more than happy to leave your. You call this a house? She's very angry. This is not mm, the first like fight her. they've had. No, no, it does not seem so. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose, Estrella, so do you go to your job or are you heading to Roots and Remedies? I'm going to stop by my job to tell them <coughs> I'm sick. And uh, actually, no, she, would, she probably would not I have lie the about plague. That. Uh, <laughs> no, she's going to go and, uh, and talk to the people that she works with and see if. Uh, they can kind of cover for her while she goes on this adventure. Um, yeah, they're they're willing to cover your shift. At the moment, there isn't too much the forge needs to do anyway, as most of the actual lumber workers are currently working in the field gathering wood. So other than a few axes that need an extra bit or need to be sharpened, there's really not much to do at the moment. Just to say, she does storm off, but then she circles the back of the house and goes through the window to her bedroom and uh, sneaks in to, to grab her armor and rapier and then sneak back out. Excellent. Where do I get the feeling that this character is like 15 years old? She's 18. <laughs> you. Nice. All right. It's not so my first time getting that teenage movie window. vibes, you know? <laughs> we've got youths and we've got elders. There's no middle. <laughs> <laughs> you're either like barely old enough to adventure or you're several hundred yep. years old. <laughs> There's or no you're middle so ground. Old, you shouldn't be adventuring. Welcome <laughs> <Yeah>. to <laughs> Pathfinder Second Edition with Find the Path. Woo! It's a good thing this is the last hope because otherwise they must have gone with somebody else. <laughs> it's like no, we went with whoever we could find, and it was mostly just really young and really old people. Uh, it balances out. It's the opposite know? of Resident Evil. It's like Alpha Team died, and they went. Oh, I guess it's time for Bravo. <laughs> No, really? Are we Bravo? We're probably more like, Zeta I don't team. know. Yeah, Zeta Zeta team. Team. We're, we're pretty far down. 
Delta Any Squad. <laughs> I'd be fine with being Delta Squad. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> we're Foxtrot. That's what we are. That's fine. Right. Ooh, Foxtrot Squad. We're F. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's assemble the rest of Team Foxtrot. <laughs> yes, let's let's indeed. We've got a party name, guys. <laughs> but we go from that scene to the Sitting Duck Inn as a rather tall, reedy gentleman um, starts walking down the stairs. And Jordan, would you like to go ahead and describe your character for us, please? I absolutely would. Amaranth is dressed in an eclectic, almost avant-garde style, combining clothing from what looks to be possibly Taldor to somewhere more remote, uh, giving him like this newsboy cap, a tartan uh, scarf. The proper term for those are Scottish flat caps. Oh, okay. Huh. Scottish flat cap, a pair of pince-nez on his eyes, then his rest of his clothing being much more... Um, why Why am I picturing, like, Peter Baelish right now? A little bit, yeah. Actually, that's a good description of him. <laughs> I don't know. I was getting more of, like, a like a Giles feel from this. Like, dressed like Peter Baelish, but looks like Giles. Yeah. <laughs> but he has a, a green jacket that appears to be homemade uh, with brown pants and a white shirt. Uh, his hair is red. He seems to have it in a messy bun that he's kind of positioned the cap over so that the hair is still visible. A man bun. A bit of a man bun, if you will. <laughs> but, uh... His eyes are light blue, and he has on his shoulder a uh, little sugar glider uh, that hmm. appears to be like kind of looking over him and eyeing his uh, piercings that he has in his ears. He sidles down, looks over at the, uh, I guess, what, are they, what do they have? They have a, uh, a waitress, barkeep. Tavern winch. What is the ordering situation here? Is it a, you know, a continental breakfast? Are we looking at a, a, yeah, a sit down and order kind of a situation? For breakfast, it's a, it's a sort of a buffet. So you're welcome to just grab it. It's actually included in your in-state price. Well, look at you. Oh, you I got a continental that. breakfast. Yeah. Look at that. A little continental breakfast. So he'll, he'll side along. Well, Falcon Hollows yeah. is probably all crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, he, he politely doesn't comment on how bad the food is. <laughs> The eggs are decent, though they could probably use some spice to them. The bacon's overdone, and not just, like, crispy, but actually a bit burned. And unfortunately... That's, that's the biggest disappointment so far. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, the uh, grits are only mixed with, like, a very, very small amount of butter. No other flavoring. Oh. It's actually just sawdust. Yeah. <laughs> they don't oh, know it's that. Possibly actually true. <laughs> I want these people to come back to the inn. That's uh, one way to get your fiber. Anyway, <laughs> uh, oh god! But as you're eating your meal, Jason, the proprietor of the inn, approaches you. Um, it was uh, Alkinstar, was it? Amaranth. Amaranth, right? Yes. Sorry. Mm. He shakes his head. Not a problem. I just wanted to let you know that last night, one of our citizens posted a, a help wanted sign on our notice board, I suppose. Um, he unfolds hey, the about? paper and hands it over to you. You might be something of a learned man, yes? Well, I am a lecturer, yes. Apparently, they're looking for somebody to find some ingredients for a cure for one of our... There's been a disease going around. I don't know if you've heard about it. Have I been in town long enough to heard about Black Scour? Yeah, it's... Pretty I, like, much just arrived last night, kind of situation. <laughs> Did I notice the corpse cart rolling down the street in the middle of the night? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not dead yet. <laughs> you arrived a couple of days ago, and honestly, it's what most everyone okay. in town is talking about. So it's pretty hard okay, to avoid okay. hearing about it. Oh, that's just mm. awful. 
Yes. Well, allow me to finish my breakfast, make some preparations, and I suppose... Yes, yes, no, I would definitely lend aid. You're going to go? Sure. Oh, That's well. the right idea, right, Reggie? He, like, grabs the sugar glider and, like, holds it out in front of him. No? Still not familiar? <laughs> Reggie squeaks. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> You've disappointed me, Reginald. <laughs> it's Regina, it's Regina actually. But, ah, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Reginald was the first one that also failed to become a <laughs> That was from a few centuries back. Yeah, so it's Regina. But Jason looks down at you and sort of nods. Oh, it's very kind of you. You're actually the only the only person here who's agreed to go so far. I'll try to see if I can keep finding others. Oh. Hopefully, well, good luck. And if you do find something, consider your stay on me for as long as you'd like. Ah, much appreciated. Thank you. Anyway, I'll leave you to your breakfast. Sorry to interrupt. Not at all. Thank you for informing me. He turns and walks away. Did you mention he's an elf? Uh, yes, one, he is an elf. But I suppose he, like, immediately, like, kind of looks down, starts eating his food while mumbling to himself. Oh, Amaranth, you've done it again. Um, okay. Reggie's no help. So, oh, wait, no. How long has it been since you've done magic? Ah, 35, 50, 50 years? Um, okay. You can still do this. You still do this. Okay. Spellbook? Yes. Okay. He, like, pulls out his spellbook, <laughs> starts opening it up. He hasn't okay. done magic in 50 years? I'm just amazed he's still carrying this book 50 years later. <laughs> Old it's, habits. Yeah, exactly. Okay. He just never stopped, basically. It completes the ensemble. <laughs> wow. Okay, acid splash. Oh, yes. All right, I remember this one. Very basic. Okay. Oh, uh, God, he's going like to melt a table. <laughs> Reggie starts like, nibbling like, on starts one like, of the pages. Like, no, no, Reggie, no. No, no, that, not this book. Any, every, every other book's fine, not this book. It's a special book. Oh, Amaranth, oh, well, on, the, on the plus side, I, what did you do on your sabbatical, Amaranth? Well, uh, you know, I went and I visited my dead friend and I said hi and then I came back. Very, very exciting. What did you do, Amaranth? Oh, I went and I saved a town from disease. Yes. And I learned how to do magic again. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'll do it. He begins flipping through the book. The rest of the in-patrons have started looking over in your direction before just sort of <laughs> shaking their heads to themselves. This is glorious. Yes. I'm not even sure if... Amaranth uh, will Amaranth now spend the next in. hour eating cold food and trying to re-prepare spells. <laughs> in the meantime, though, we head back outside the outskirts of town, though not particularly near where Grimm and his family have set up their cabin um, amongst the apple orchard. Instead, we cut to a really more of a shack than anything else. Maybe a step above a lean-to, but a step below an actual log cabin. The wooden building has been constructed relatively well, but is certainly not something that one would want to stay in for a long period of time. As a young woman starts to approach the front door and... Heather, would you like to go on ahead and describe your character for us, please? Yes. Celestine is uh, about medium height. She stands at about five foot seven. She has a thin, a thinner build than most humans due to her half-elven heritage. Her ears are pointed, but of course not as pointed as a full-blooded elf. She has large, bright blue eyes and... Uh, black hair that's piled up on top of her head into a messy bun just to keep it out of her way. 
She's wearing a, a long, dark hunting style coat over just a simple shirt with pants and boots that make it easy to transverse the forest. An elvish curve blade is on her hip, and she has a bow and arrow and a backpack over her shoulders. Fair enough. As you begin approaching your front door, go on ahead and roll me a perception check real quick, Celestine. Oh, the first roll. I get roll. to bounce dice. I know. The first roll. Are you sure it's not a secret roll, Ross? I am... Yes, I am sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we have to worry about that. I'll admit, second okay, edition good, is still a little new 20. to me, but in this case, <laughs> no. You're starting this game with a nat 20? <laughs> hey, you know what? That's good, Omen. <laughs> and the Heather mythos just expands. It continues so I to get grow. a 25 on that perception check. You get a 25, and of course, it automatically bumps you up to the next degree of success because it is a perfect 20. Oh, hey, second edition. Yeah. (laughs) No confirmations. Nope, no confirmations in this case. But uh, you notice two things. The first is relatively easy. There seems to be a note pinned to your front door. You honestly don't know how many people even know that there's a house out here, which is somewhat (laughs) odd. (laughs) Secondly, though... You also note some tracks that lead around the corner to the back of your house. Mm. These appear to be tracks maybe made by a heavy shoe, most likely worn by somebody fairly large. All right. Well, Celestine makes her way forward and pulls the note off her door. And then she'll start following the tracks around back. One hand on her curved blade. The note is folded. Um, I don't know if you take the time to unfold and read it before you go around the corner. Yeah, she w- she probably uh, skims over it real quick and then immediately makes the decision that she's going to go help. But first, strange tracks at her house. Turning the corner, um, the tracks are fresh enough that you suspect whoever made them either came by very recently or is possibly still there. I guess suppose warranting the caution. As you turn around to see... Honestly, one of the uh, last sights you would ever like to see. A tall, burly man um, standing, honestly, near six and a half feet of what appears to be simple working man muscle alongside a gut that probably favors heavy amounts of beer and pasta. The man looks up at you and you immediately recognize Boss Payton Payday Tatum. He looks at you Man, with his a... Name is pa- his, his name is Payday? He, well, his well, name is his nickname. nickname. Like, his <laughs> nickname name is Payday? payday? Wow. Yeah. Mostly because he's the one who actually distributes pay on Payday. Wowzers. Yep. Boss Payday. Celestine does not keep the sneer off her face when she realizes who it is. The, you suppose, second-in-command at the Lumber Consortium sneers down at you with beady eyes. Oh. Huh. I see you're... Uh, Really moving up in the world, huh? What exactly do you want? Uh... Are you just snooping around for no reason? You see him kind of look around for a second. You get the feeling that he's his eyes are rolling to the back of his head as if attempting to find some sort of good excuse. Before he looks back down at you, I'm just here to keep an eye on you. It's what the boss wants. Creepy. Well... You can tell the boss, as I've asked you to relay this message multiple times, that I don't need anyone to keep an eye on me. I'm just fine. Thank you for your concern. 
the uh, the the fake smile on her face could like shatter glass. <laughs> you know? One of these days, we're going to find where that dark wood is. And I don't have any dark wood, as you can plainly see. Now, I have things to attend to. She holds up the note that will actually, you know, benefit the town. Ah. So uh, have a horrible day and goodbye. She turns and starts making her way into town. Have fun dying in the veil, he calls <laughs> after you. She uh, so flips sassy. him off over her shoulder as she continues to walk away. <laughs> Are you sure you're not playing a barbarian? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is actually an all-barbarian party. Just three barbarians and then whatever. Uh, the barbarian's nice. Amarantha's barbarian would be hilarious. I'm going to have to see if I can find some banjo music for the scene. That's the thing is Boss Payday seems like super inspired by um, uh, Dukes of Hazard and like all the... Yeah, his, like, his, his description. Oh, yeah. He's got the yeah, daisy suit on. creepy, man. Yeah, Celest- well, Duke boys. C- Celestine's not into it. Yeah, he's, he's definitely not the kind of person that you want to have hanging around, especially at your house when you're not home. Yeah weirdo. Well, you know, he was going to come up with an excuse, but the best he had was, I'm stalking you, so... (laughs) (laughs) Not smart. Not a smart man. Yeah, no, not particularly. You gotta keep it close to the truth. (laughs) (laughs) It's the last thing they'll expect. But I suppose you start heading off then to Roots and Remedies. Yes. Because that honestly seems like a great uh, a great exclamation point to leave (laughs) off on. For for that encounter. Sorry, not for the whole session. (laughs) The end. It's over. <laughs> the end. We hope you enjoyed. <laughs> that was the story. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, Tale as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> but let's head back to Roots and Remedies before the rest of before the rest of you all arrive. Laurel and Clove are sitting as Laurel is ducked over a pestle and mortar, um, just trying to, I suppose, grind up a number of ingredients for this theoretical cure that she's working on. Clove is actually pacing nervously. And looking out the window every few seconds. They'll come, child. Who do you think it will be? I don't know. I don't know who's going to come. Okay. Open the drawer over there. I have something for you. She points to a small cabinet that's sat next to the door. Uh, Clove scurries over there and, and opens the drawer. Opening the drawer, it's empty. But you expect that because you were told long ago about Laurel's secret stash hidden underneath the uh, ah. underneath the drawer here. You can unlatch it with ease. And inside are three items. Ooh, items. When you go out, take those with you. Those were originally they were for me just in case I ever needed to make a sort of hasty retreat here. But I hope they serve you well. What? What are they? Uh, taking a look at them, and in fact, with your training and crafting, you can identify them immediately, since you probably are there whenever Laurel makes these items. So, uh, there are three items in total. There is a sunrod, a minor elixir of life, and an alchemist fire. Cool. I just, I feel a certain degree of responsibility for you, especially after... I, I mean, that, that wasn't, I mean... You did everything you could do, um, and you know. Well, thank you. I did for everything the, I knew how to do. That, well, you know, we both did. Yeah, but I'm sorry. You still have my condolences. Thanks. 
It's kind of weird being in the in the house by myself now. Are you okay over there? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. It's just it's real quiet and um there's just a lot of stuff that isn't mine but is there and so it's it's like a ghost kind of. I think it's yours now. I think they'd want you to have it. Uh, well, yeah, but it's just it's just weird. <sighs> I suppose it would take some getting used to. She glances uh, up from her work, which is a rare thing for her to do, as she's usually just spending pretty much all of her time here either working or poring over her grandmother's old book. Clove is lightly pulling on the uh, the labels of the uh, alchemist fire, like <laughs> messing with the, the label. Be careful with that. You, you definitely don't want to drop it. Oh, right, right. She puts it carefully into her pack. You get the feeling that she releases a sort of tension you didn't notice in her a moment ago. <laughs> like, uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Did I ever tell you where I got my book? Um, your family? Yeah, my family. My, um, my grandmother specifically. You know, there's been quite a few nasty rumors. Have you heard any of them? Uh, no, not, not really. <laughs> they say my grandmother traded her soul for it. Can you believe that? For a book? That would just be weird. <laughs> I mean, the book has quite a few secrets in it. It's how I'm able to make she gestures to the shelves loaded with alchemical and herbalist goods. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. But it isn't much more than a simple formula book. Hmm. Still, Grandma did have a way of getting in contact with entities that I think most people in town would cry out if they ever heard about them. Oh. I wonder how many of these recipes she managed to barter from some poor fiend or another that didn't know what it was getting into. I like the sound of your grandmother. She was a good woman. But the reason I'm going over it is that should the worst happen, I, I want you to have this book next. Uh, uh, not nothing's going to happen to you. Probably not, no. At least not anytime soon. But I don't exactly have any children of my own and, well... I've come to think of you as a sort of daughter. So, you, so you're going to give me the book? Yes. That's 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 so nice. Thank you. Of course. I mean, there will come a time where I probably won't need it much anymore anyway. But for now, at the very least, we still need to gather those ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm. Still. It's like Clover remembers that she's waiting on people and she like looks back out the window. Are you sure you're up for this, child? Yep, I can do it. I have a machete and a hatchet and I have armor and I, um... This is going to sound... I can do it. ...strange coming from me because, as you know, anything that's worth anything can be bottled and sold for profit if need be. It's not necessarily all about your gear or what you carry. It's about your heart, too, child. Are you sure you have the heart for it? I... It doesn't matter if I have the heart for it because I have to help the people of the town. Plus... Lady Sirthana says that Iomide blesses those who help other people, and I'm going to help other people, so she'll watch over me. All right. I suppose that sounds good enough for me, she says, as you hear a knock on the door. And over the next I'll few... I'll get it! <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's super excited to get the door. <laughs> but over the next few minutes, a total of four additional figures assemble with Inside Roots and Remedies... A older dwarven man, an elf of 
some indeterminate age, though it's always difficult to tell with an elf as they don't show much in the way of outward signs of aging. <laughs> a young halfling and a woman of part human and part elven descent. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, this is uh, Roots and Revenues, yes? Yeah, it, uh-huh. that's, that's what it said on the sign above. Excellent. I'm here for the adventure. You hear a squeak coming from his shoulder. Clove, like, is suddenly very, very quiet and seems to have forgotten how to say words. Are any of you the ones that put the, f- the flyer out? Huh? Yeah, the, uh, <clears throat> the flyer. The older woman in here motions to a set of chairs that she's laid out for all of you. Would you care for a bit of tea while we talk about this? That would be wonderful, Laurel. Excellent. Grim makes his way over, waits politely for everyone else to find a chair. Are there any halfling-sized chairs? No, but There's she a has. Rest. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you gotta yeah, climb. I was going just asking because uh, if not, she's probably rather adept and just knows how to like put her footing mm-hmm. in the right spot to just kind of flip onto it. Yeah, I mean, she's put a few cushions <laughs> in front of it too to help. But yeah, you can get up there without much problem. Grim finds the broadest chair he can. Celestine just picks a chair and sits. Close <laughs> I guess Amaranth will just grab a chair all like everybody else. Uh, Laurel goes in and serves a mint tea. It actually smells very good. She has sugar and honey if you take it with any of mm. that, as well as milk. Both, please. Ooh, Excellent. honey, please. Very well. She serves all of you tea before sitting down back basically at a work stool, continuing to work on her whatever is inside of the crucible that she's currently working on. All right, so you're all here. We need to gather some ingredients and we need to gather them fast. Time is of the essence. There are three things that we need to get. I'm not going to spend too much time on introductions. You can all take care of that after we're done talking here. The first thing... Amaranth pulls out a little notebook. (laughs) So the three ingredients that I need are as follows. Elderwood moss... I've never heard of it. I have no idea what the hell it is, but they say that it grows on the oldest tree in the forest. At least that's what my granny's book says here. That shouldn't be difficult to find. <laughs> Good luck, yeah. In addition, there's rat's tail. Not a literal rat's tail. It's a root. Rat's tail is said to be a root in a number of poisons as well as remedies. I honestly don't know where it grows, but if there's anywhere that you can find it, you might be able to find it in Ulamitsa's hut. She's a witch who used to live around here. Haven't seen her in some time. The last thing you need, and probably the rarest, are seven iron blue mushrooms. Blue flower, red thorns. Blue flower, red thorns. Blue flower, red thorns. (laughs) This would be so much easier if I weren't colorblind. (laughs) Iron blue mushrooms grow in places that lots of iron's been worked, hence the name. Especially if you can find in the dwarven mines. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm. So, if you know a place where dwarves have been working on metal, that's probably one of the best places to go check. Not this side of High Helm, personally, but Hmm. I'm sure we can find something. There are old the old dwarven ruins. We could maybe investigate yeah, those. Yeah. I've never been there personally, but I would be intrigued to go. Well, in fact, anybody who wants, um, first of all, to identify where these dwarven ruins are, even if you haven't been there, you might still have heard of their location. You can make either a nature or society check. May I roll dwarf lore? <laughs> yes, you may. All right, Clove's first roll is a 19 for a total of a 23 nice. on nature. Very good. Yeah. I I'm continue not that my good. string of good luck. Uh, Amaranth rolls a five, rolls a five for a 12 
society. All right. And Astrea rolls a 15 for a 19 nature. Celestine rolls a 13 for a 18 on society. Okay. Nice. And Grim gets a 17 for a 21 dwarven lore. With your various roles, Grim, Celestine, and surprisingly Clove, um, just because I don't know how deep you venture into the forest, but all of you have actually heard that there is a abandoned uh, dwarven monastery deep within the woods. You actually have a rough idea of how to get there. Hmm. Um, are dwarven you talking monastery? about the, the yes. monastery? Uh, sure. Monastery ruins, same difference, really, at the end. Which Grim would immediately oh, be monastery. like, no. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> Do I, uh, did my check reveal who the monastery is to? You know, with <laughs> Dwarven like lore, I think Church I will go ahead and or? give that to you. So you actually know a little bit about the um, religious practices out here from the dwarves. You understand that at one that long, long ago, probably before Andorin was founded as it's known as now, there were a number of monasteries dedicated to Torag. They were then converted to the worship of Droskar. Oh, some time ago. Yeah, Grim reaches up and where the Clis, there are the eight other stones, but there's the one empty ring, and he kind of fingers that one. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that was from uh, Tarkadrun towards uh, the end of that, which was uh, when the dwarves were ruled by the church. Yes, I believe that is correct. Ah. So, yeah, not not a happy place from what you understand. Grim's countenance darkens a bit. He sips his tea pensively. You okay? I'm aware of this place. Oh, some tells me it's probably not good then. Not with, you know, the, the look on your, your face and all. <laughs> he, you know, makes a concentrated effort to ease the, uh, the furrow in his brow. It's a monastery. To draw scar. Uh, that doesn't mean anything to us. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know who that is. He continues to finger the empty ring in his necklace. Yeah, who's that? Drawscar is the. He is the darksmith. He was the. I take it some sort of bad deity. Drawscar was an apprentice, a pupil of Torag's. When Torag discovered that he had been stealing the work of others to pass off as his own and enslaving people to work at his own forges. Hmm. Torag banished him. I mean, makes sense. He is the Dwarven god of cheating and slavery, believes that sufficient toil leads to eventual success. In pursuit of this goal, should be one should be free to do whatever is necessary to accomplish their task, no matter the cost to others. Hmm. Not a very pleasant <laughs> fellow. Amaranth is just jotting down all of these notes really quick. His church ruled the old kingdom of Karhadrom. Before it fell when I was a child. Uh, um, not to be rude. No, about two and a half centuries ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a dwarven monastery, so I imagine it still stands. Um, okay, so Girl, that's one place. Well, I have a good idea of where it might be. We could perhaps start there. Uh, you can, however, also make rolls, um, first of all, to identify... If you have some idea where to look for the eldest tree, in which case it is another nature check. Haha, nature. Or if you have something like, Aha, you know, good check. Dark Moon Veil vale lore. Should I like roll that. my forest lore? I was going to say, what? I also have forest Herbalism? lore. Forest lore works. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, mm, yeah, I would, I'd go ahead and allow it. So, um, herbalism. I mean, my nature is better, so. It would probably be whichever is better. So if your nature is better, probably just go with that. Okay. okay. Then I get a 15 for a 19 on nature. Okay. 
barely worth mentioning, but I roll an eight for an 11 nature. Okay. <laughs> I roll a five for an eight nature. Ooh. Rachel? Uh, I roll nice. a 14 for an 18 uh, forest lore. Yeah, I rolled a three for a seven. I see. For forest oh. lore. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> I'm, I'm new to these woods. <laughs> Haven't talked to them. Very well. In this case, Astrea and uh, Astrea and Clove, both of you are aware of the location of, at the very least, the oldest copse of trees that you're aware of is located more or less centrally in the forest. You think you have a rough idea of how to get there as well. Um, whether or not you can find the actual quote unquote eldest tree, you're not certain, but at the very least, you know a good place to look. Well, I mean, I, I've spent some time in the forest. I think I know where there's a copse of trees that we could probably check out. I don't know about like a singular tree, but it's a good place to start. Are, are they in the middle of the forest? Yeah. Okay. I, I know about those too. Oh, good. So you got two mines that say that's a good place to go. So start with the monastery, then we'll head to the forest. Well, what about this route? Where's the witch's hut? Do we know? So in this case, you can also Maybe it's attempt- on the way. In this case, for the witch's hut, you can actually attempt a society check. Nope. Or if you have, I hide like, from the witch. once again, Lord Darkmoon oh, Vale or something like that, it would work as yeah, well. Yeah, I don't imagine the forest lore would apply. No, not in this case. Well, I roll, no, an, I don't have I roll an eight for a 15 society. Hey, that's not bad. That's not bad. Okay. Uh, Amaranth, you actually have heard of this hut. Uh, oh, an old mate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an old college mate. Definitely not an old chum. <laughs> Pretty sure I don't know anybody in this town anymore. No, not anymore, but you did. And he did actually tell you about it's the true. hut before he passed away. Unfortunately. Oh, that's right. Yes. In your case, um, humans don't really seem to live all that long. But you still recall what he yep. had told you. But yes, um, Francis or Professor Green, as you most commonly called him, uh, actually has informed you that the hut is relatively close to the mountain range, especially once you start approaching the area, the region known as Droskar's Crag, which is probably the largest mountain in the area. Uh, if what I was told was true, it's going to be uh, by Droskar's Crag. That's at least what Francis told me. So um, what's the, the most direct way to go to hit all the places and be back as fast as possible? Do we have a map? Yeah, That's a great question. Be- well, Emeranth, you know where this... Hut is? Somewhat, yes. And you say it's in the shadow of the mountain? Yes. All right. I imagine that the monastery is somewhere near there. Is that not correct? Uh, Celestine, I believe it was. So, Celestine, you know that the monastery is located more or less right at the base of Droskar's Crag? You're not sure about a hut nearby, though, Amaranth, from what you understand, the hut itself is toward the edge of the forest before you hit the mountain range. So it's still technically inside the forest. Mm. Well, the monastery should be at the base of the mountain, but I haven't ever heard of a hut being nearby. Uh, The hut is technically inside of the uh, forest, but like on the edge of it. So we may be able to make our way through the heart of the forest first. Potentially finding the oldest tree there. Yes. So we'll go to this corpse so the trees, of trees, the trees and then we'll make for the monastery and then hit the hut and then hopefully just be able to cut back through the forest to the town as quick as possible. Yes, speed is of the One essence. other thing too, um, anybody trained in nature or anything like forestry lore or anything like that, um, you do know that the local forest also has a small river and basin that kind of goes through the middle of it. 
It actually makes kind of a cool like dinosaur skull design in it if you're <laughs> looking at it in profile. <laughs> oh, spiffy. Yeah. Yes. Let us make our way to Dinosaur Skull Lake. <laughs> Dinosaurs. Oh no. <laughs> we can take the the river. There's a river. That like, follow it would probably be the easiest thing to do. In that case, uh, Laurel looks over at all of you. Well, it sounds like you got a plan. You probably need to leave as soon as possible. I think. Uh-huh. I think that's, that's uh, a hint. She I wants mean, us to I'm go. Sorry. I mean, you can stay if you want, but you're not going to help anybody by staying. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> our Celestine sets down her teacup and stands up to make her way out. Clove trails along behind her. As you all open the door, um, getting set to leave, Laurel takes one last look at all of you. You're a brave lot. I just want to make sure I said that in case, in case something happens. Well, that's pleasantly optimistic. Thanks, but you don't want to jinx us. That's not a good idea. We're going to be fine. All right. Well, be careful. We have the gods with us. Well, that just sounds ominous. It does. (laughs) It did sound a little ominous, actually. (laughs) Because everything he says sounds ominous. With my accent, everything sounds a little bit ominous. No, you Mm. do that on purpose. (laughs) Now, do any of us know each other from being around town and things like that? Celestine, you nope. probably don't really know anybody because uh, you, yeah. you said in your backstory you spent as little time in town little as time possible. time in town as possible, yeah. <laughs> hey, Clove has spent a lot of time learning about plants in the wilderness, so I don't know, maybe. So yeah. maybe we've run across but she also doesn't. She doesn't super talk to anyone, so I don't know. If nothing else, I'm sure like Grim has met Estrella before just because she works in the forge and that's really the only way to get access to tools. And since Grim needs some similar tools working with you know an apple orchard, He's probably stopped by there a couple of times just to buy an axe or something. Yeah, sure. I mean, if, if you've come across Estrella, as long as you're not part of the Lumber Consortium, she's probably been nice to you and talked to you whether you liked it or not. What mm. is uh, what is your craft skill? Plus four. Oh, it's not bad. I'm really good at daggers. Yeah. <laughs> it's not dwarven, but it's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we head out to follow the river. Well, I don't think we've actually woods. introduced ourselves because she just kind of had to nope. sit down and oh, spit right. all this information yeah, at each she other. She wanted us to do that outside of her house. Well, I'm Celestine. It's a pleasure to meet all of you. You as well, Celestine. What do you do here in town? Um, I don't really live in town. Just I live mostly on the outskirts, but I, I hunt. Ah, a woods woman. More or less. Hmm. And you are? Vulgar. Klein Ansoir. We're not local. He runs the orchard. <laughs> I do, actually. Oh, uh, their cider's my good. daughter and granddaughter live there with me. I'm relatively new to town. You can call me Grim. I think it's a little bit easier for most. I'm well, uh, Amaranth Silverleaf. I'm not from here. Well, that's obvious. Is it that obvious? <laughs> Do you she kind of from... looks him up and down, just clothing-wise, and she goes, yeah, pretty obvious. Are you from the north, Amaranth? Ah, uh, yes, I'm a lecturer at a magical college in Taldor. Ah, uh, Taldor. So, no, you're from the east. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't know directions. Amaranth only has I'm a from here around. and there. I'm from here and ar- far. Around. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you. You as well. I, I like your little um, friend. Oh, Reggie. Yes. Yeah. Reggie, unfortunately, has not lived up to her potential quite yet. Reggie what? squeaks. I'm, I'm training her to be a familiar. I've cast all the proper rituals, but unfortunately, I have to wait until the magic takes hold in her. 
Reggie squeaks. How long you been trying? Longer than I thought it would take. Squeak. <laughs> Maybe she's shy. Mm. You're like, eyeballs, Reggie? No, just not ready yet. <laughs> Reggie Monster nibbles slightly at the end of your finger. Have you tried uh, ruby dust? Ruby dust? The defenders of no. the Forge of Torak would use it to bind their weapons to themselves. It's more of a spiritual connection, but... She's... Oh, she's she's a familiar, not a weapon. She's obviously right not hands. a combatant. So you see these big eyes. <laughs> Way too innocent. <laughs> she's uh, whatever she wants to be. It doesn't matter if you have big eyes. She is rather cute. Are you sure you should be bringing her into this situation? Oh, yes. Reggie and I go t- together everywhere. It's part of the bonding process. Interesting. Where'd you find her? <laughs> Sorry, I just... Oh, I bought her off of a merchant. <laughs> just like, man, you gotta, like, wait for her to, like, bond or something. That's amazing. <laughs> that's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Because mm-hmm. I couldn't get her at first level. <laughs> uh, I'm Clove Barlow. I, I work with, with Laurel. Well, I'm learning how to do herbalism from Laurel. Well, so you're a herbalist. Uh-huh. Will be very useful to have in this endeavor. Mm-hmm. I have a formula book and everything. I know. I know some things about um, herbs and making tinctures. Ah, so you're an alchemist. A little bit. Good. Well, that's fun. Well, I'm Estrella. Um, I mean, I've seen some of you guys around. I work at the forge. Yeah, here's hoping we can actually do some good because no one else in this town does. Our town needs it. You don't like the lumber consortium. That's all I really know about you. If that's okay to say. No one oh, should fine. like the Lumber Consortium. I don't either. They're bad. I have a little business with them. Francis wasn't much of a fan either. Who's Francis? Wait, do we know Francis? Uh, Francis was the uh, schoolmaster back. Um, he actually passed away not oh. too long ago. Not from Black Scour. I probably he did was know Francis then. Just in his 90s, effectively. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I think we should get started. As a quick question to everybody, what is the slowest movement speed in the group? 25 is me. I have a 25. 25. I'm at 20. I move at 30. So 20, I guess. Yep. Sounds like a 20 wins very well. So you begin making your way through the forest, um, passing by the Lumber Consortium's camp as the quickest way to get deeper in the woods is really to use their pathways. I'm sure Estrella looks at it with a mild amount of distaste, um, as well as Celestine, as the rest of you mostly just try to avoid dealings with the Lumber Consortium in general. Except maybe for Amareth, who's just like, oh, it's the woods. This is what woods do. Reminds me of home. Yeah, I guess I would pull my machete in case I need to cut through any any brush or anything. Are there darkwood trees in Taldor? That's a great question that I don't know the answer to. The answer is yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I like the idea that it's this Grim who tells him rather than like Rick. Because <laughs> <laughs> he just kind of like just trying to make polite sky, conversation. Like, I should yeah. probably know the answer to that. And Grim's like, the answer is yes. There are trees. Uh, you're not very good at this small talk thing, are you, Amaranth? No, I'm, I'm much more of a prepared speaker, if you will. Yes. And also only on the subjects that I'm really studied in. What do you, what do you teach? Magic. What kind that, of magic? I don't know a thing about that. don't sound very certain about it. Well, it's a it's a rather obscure uh, subset of magic, uh, specifically magical uh, art. What? Like, like <laughs> moving paintings or something? Uh, yes, and the the history behind it. Um, I've I've uh, I've 
I've been Amaranth is a professor <laughs> of Hogwarts. history. So yeah, I've, I'm uh, seeing like Amaranth <laughs> is like an art history professor who just walks in, like uses illusions. Just does show, look like, like a like a bit of a like kind of beatnik type uh, person. Yes, uh, art history. Oh, oh. Okay, that seems useful. I guess. Grim touches another stone around his neck and nods. Bulka, amongst the dwarves, appreciates all forms of art. An artist is a craftsman like anyone else. Do you make art, or do you just study it? Oh, no, I, I, I do make art. Um, I'm uh, especially decent at the uh, trying to mimic the uh, Terragum period of Osiriani art. What? I make um, art that doesn't belong in Taldor. Okay, that, that sounds nice. I guess. It's a really interesting study. I've spent about the last 20 years working on it. If we should run into trouble, are you able to use your magic offensively? Yes, yes. I, I've prepared a, a number of uh, different things that I can use should uh, the need arise. Even still, um, I want you in the back. Oh, I would insist on it. Good. Clove is in the front with her machete. Do you have any survival? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, good. It takes several hours, and actually, Clove, I do need you to go on ahead and roll a survival check if you're taking point on this. I will, and I will roll amazingly. Um, I get a 17 on the die for a 21 survival. Nice. Nice. You're, you're actually making exceptionally good time. Um, normally, it does take... For most folks, it takes about six hours or so to start making your way into the woods. But with a 21 on survival, um, not only... Do you manage to make your way through the forest without much of an issue? You actually find a few shortcuts here and there. Um, you've been around enough to at least know some places the Lumber Consortium doesn't actually know about, um, which is always handy for hiding if you don't want to run into anybody, which sounds like something Clove would totally be into. It does, and Clove also is uh, like the getter of the herbs and stuff for Laurel most of the time. This is true. So you make your way, and it only takes about six hours or so to start uh, making your way to the actual basin of the bay, which is good, which is actually exceptionally good time. Normally, it would take somewhere in the neighborhood of about eight to nine hours at the speed that you're traveling. However, as the uh, day wears on, um, as you get into like the late afternoon, I will allow everyone in the party to make a quick perception check. Okay. Not bad. Oh, I'm an expert at perception because barbarians are experts at perception. Nice. That they are. Uh, I get a, I get a 16. I rolled an 11. Okay. I roll a 10 for a 13. Okay. I roll a 14 for a 19. All right. I roll a 9 for a 15. Okay. And a 14 for an 18. Excellent. Not too shabby. Very well. All of you notice, effectively on a section of a section of bare land between the forest and the bay. What looks to be a cruel bear trap. Um, this iron trap is closed tightly shut. All of you can even see the rust on it from here. It looks like it hasn't been well maintained. Yet, you also hear from inside of the bear trap a sort of mewling noise. Oh. Something seems to be caught in it. Hmm. Oh no. Uh, can uh, anyone rushes see over. what it is? Yeah. Don't rush in. No, have to. It's hurt. Well, there might be another trap, though. Wait. Clove uh, striding forward, looking down at the thing, you, you can see that it looks to be some sort of small forest creature. Um, 
you're trained in nature, right? Yes. Looking at it, you immediately recognize it as a dark moon firefoot. It's a type of fox oh. in this region. Oh. Yeah, they are actually well noted for having a sort of blend of orange and red fur that actually goes into a bit of yellowish um, at their at their little paws. Hence That's the name. That's so cute. I wish to release this thingy from the trap. Very well. Um, the rest of the group, I believe, starts approaching behind. Yes. As you lean down to release, all of you can hear cawing coming from the trees behind you. As you hear a voice call out from the forest, All right, boys, looks like we got some dinner coming. And I will need initiative from the party next time. Uh, Ross has learned uh, from Rick. Uh, <laughs> he's doing the Rick to no. us. Are we the dinner or is the fox the dinner? Mm. Why not both? I think we'll find out next mm, time. That's the question. Why not both? Gracious. <laughs> Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hollow's Last Hope is copyright 2007. Hollow's Last Hope and the Game Mastery module line are trademarks of Paizo. All Game Mastery images are property of Paizo and used with permission.